You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I'm Benita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am thrilled to be able to um, share today's sermon. Um, Thank you for being here as a part of our worship experience. This is our fifth week within our Lenten series as we are journeying in the wilderness um, up to Good Friday, up to Resurrection Sunday. Just wanted to note that today's sermon um, may cause individuals to feel a bit unsettled as we will be talking about um, physical death and we'll be talking about um, sexual violence as well. So um, there is a mention. So just wanted to encourage you to take care of yourselves in the best way that you see fit. So one year ago today, it was April 4th, 2021, and it was actually Easter Sunday. Uh, Not only was it Easter Sunday, but it was the first anniversary of Embrace Church, a unique virtual faith community that I founded during the pandemic. And I was super excited. Um, We were just about to start service. And I had a wonderful playlist going. People were coming into the Zoom space for worship. And it was 1 o'clock on the nose. And my sister called me. And... When I saw her call coming through, I'm like, why is she calling me? She knows that church is about to start at 1 o'clock. So I pick up the phone, and she called to share the unthinkable, the unimaginable. Our oldest sister, Virginia Lynn Janti, had been found deceased in her home. And I was in shock. However... I couldn't react in the way that I wanted to because we were just about to start service. I told Todd we had a moment to just embrace and feel sad and then try to figure out what we were going to do. Was I going to cancel service? Would I tell the congregation at that point or wait till later? Should we drive up to Spring Valley to her home uh, as next of kin? There were so many, so many questions. And I knew that Jenny, as we fondly called her, had health challenges. However, we did not expect her to pass away. So I stayed in my shock for a moment and then decided that we would move forward with service and we would tell um, the congregation afterwards, which is what we did. And we let everyone know during our time of fellowship and then we made our way to Spring Valley to claim her body. We're talking today about being grounded in and through grief. So it was a time of great loss for me because it was the first time I had ever experienced the loss of a sibling. Can you relate to mourning the loss of a loved one or can you relate to a loss of any kind? Maybe losing a job, losing a friendship, losing a community of faith like a church that you were attached to, losing your lead pastor, losing that phenomenal employee, 
losing some power and privilege as you continue to address issues of inequities. On Friday night, when folks were over for Lent Connect, we shared our culture and we just really had a good time and some individuals talked about their individual losses, family members who'd passed away, some recent, some in the past, however, the weight was still heavy and they still were grieving. Here, as a community of faith, we've been able to mourn together. Back in October, for those of you who might be new to our faith community, we experienced a great loss. Pierre Colas, who was the beloved husband of our worship pastor, Angela Lockett Colas, passed away suddenly. And I do have permission from Angela to be able to share today. Pierre was such a faithful member of this church. He was here at 8 o'clock. He helped train Todd on the chairs. <laughs> he was in the video that you all saw last week. And he was compassionate caring, kind. I remember going to their home and him being so hospitable, asking what I wanted, what I needed. So this was such a great loss for Forefront Church. And not only was he a husband and a church member, he was a father, a brother, a son. So while we continue the, to mourn the loss of our dear friend Pierre, we are encouraged by all the things he did to ensure that Forefront had what it needed and was served in the best way possible. So he left a legacy for us of love and of service. Sometimes when we experience a host of different emotions during our times of loss, you know, it's hard to deal with a lot of the feelings that we're struggling with. However, I would encourage us to be open to whatever feelings we are confronted with. When I found out about my sister, I felt numb and I couldn't react in that moment because it was time to have church. And I chose, as difficult as it was, to be grounded in and through my grief. I mean, I had to keep a level head, so I made the decision to suppress my feelings. But this is not always healthy. Berkeley's Greater Good magazine says, emotion suppression consists of inhibiting the outward signs of your inner feelings. Studies have shown that suppressing emotions actually endangers your health and well-being, both physically and psychologically. Emotional suppression, having a stiff upper lip or sucking it up or being so dignified you can't express feelings, it might decrease the outward expression of emotion, but not the inner emotional experience. In other words, suppression doesn't make the emotion go away, just stay inside you, causing you more pain. The best way that I was able to take care of myself in that moment and to take care of Embrace Church was to focus on the resurrection of Christ, and to focus on the anniversary and the worship experience that we, were that we were celebrating that day. This is what helped to make a difference during my grief. 
There was a time during Jesus's ministry that he also experienced a loss, the loss of a very dear friend, Lazarus. So Lazarus lived in Bethany with two siblings, Martha and Mary, and some of you might be familiar with the story of Mary who poured oil, costly oil, on Jesus. And then Martha and Mary, some may remember, if you know the story, uh, entertained Jesus. They were um, inviting him over for dinner, and Martha was the one who was busy trying to make sure everything was in place, and Mary just sat at Jesus' feet, and Martha got annoyed at her sister. And isn't that how it is sometimes when we're experiencing grief? Sometimes we just maintain this level of busyness so that we don't have to think about what it is we're struggling with and going through. And then sometimes others of us will just spend some quiet time at the feet of Jesus. So let's look at our scripture today in John 11, um, starting with verses 4 through 7. When Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Jesus as a beloved friend, did not immediately drop everything and rush over to see him. He waited two days. When we are in distress, when we are troubled, when we are experiencing challenges because of loss and despair and social iniquities and all the isms that we deal with every day, we want help immediately. We want to have some sort of response right away. When we call 911, we don't want to wait for the ambulance to take forever to come, and sadly we know in certain communities they do. We want that 911, we want that ambulance to come right away. These sisters were looking for Jesus to come sooner than later. But Jesus operated on Jesus' schedule. Jesus had something else in mind because he knew that this sickness would not end in death, but it was for God to get the glory. When we give God the glory, we are honoring God. We are recognizing God in all God's sovereignty. I remember so many worship experiences and watching my mother, grandmother who used to play the piano, and sometimes she would just raise her hand and exclaim, glory! <laughs> glory, because she was honoring the God that she served. And it was wonderful just to see her recognize God in this way. This was all for the glory of God. So when Jesus decided to go back to Judea, there is apprehension on the part of the disciples. They're like, yo, Jesus, the last time you were there, they were kind of sort of throwing stones at you. So you kind of sort of risk, you know, getting hurt. So we're a little nervous about going back. But, you know, if you want to go, <laughs> that's fine. They had a realistic concern for their safety because of what happened before. 
And Jesus had to let them know, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death while his disciples were talking about taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now, let's go to him. When Jesus arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. They are friends who are there to support Mary and Martha. They're expressing their condolences. They're expressing their sympathy. And then they hear that Jesus is coming. And Martha is the first to go out and greet him. And she says, Rabbi, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. So it seems that even though she was expressing disappointment, I mean, you know, we don't see her hospitable self that she was in the other story where she's like, hello, Jesus, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. It seems that her first reaction is one of frustration and disappointment, right? She was letting her true feelings show. However, she goes on to say, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give it to you. So while she is struggling a bit, expressing uh, disappointment and frustration, on the other hand, she's holding on to her faith. She's holding on to her trust. She is holding on to her confidence in God. And then shortly thereafter, Mary comes out. Now, it's interesting that in this scenario, Mary sort of lays back a bit. Martha comes out first. Mary, prior to, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, but she doesn't come out right away. According to this text, she comes out afterwards, and she comes out sobbing, and she falls at Jesus' feet and says the same thing. Rabbi, teacher, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Many times we become trapped and we become restricted by the if onlys and what ifs. When my sister passed away, we had a lot of if onlys and what ifs. If only she would have had her procedure sooner. If only she had gotten a second opinion or a third opinion about her diagnosis. If only someone who was nearby could have called 911. And then we were thinking about the what ifs. What if she was not conceived through a horrific act of sexual violence? What if we had seen some of the signs? What if all of the people who spoke to her that night leading up to her death? would have seen something and would have encouraged her to go to the hospital? What if she was in crisis and was so sick of being sick that she decided to just give up? What if? And when we lose ourselves in the if-onlys and the what-ifs, we neglect to recognize who and what is in front of us. 
And we know that this is part of the grieving process to ask a lot of questions. However, we can stay grounded in and through our grief when we recognize God's presence is with us. God's presence is all around us because God has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And all of these things are working together for our good. So in this text, it's just so interesting because there's so many things that are happening. We have grieving siblings uh, who wanted Jesus to come sooner. We have onlookers who have seen Jesus perform miracles. And they're like, well, wait a minute. He was able to heal the blind. Why couldn't he have just prevented his friend from being sick? And then we have the disciples, Jesus' followers, who are sort of looking over their shoulders, thinking they could potentially get stoned at any minute. Lots going on. And at a certain point, Jesus wells up with a deep anger initially. And then Jesus weeps. And then this anger wells up again when he arrives at the tomb. And when Jesus asked for the stone to be removed, Mary was concerned that the body would have a stench, that the body would have a bad odor. I mean, after all, Lazarus was dead for four days. The details that he had been dead for four days is significant. It makes it clear that Lazarus was truly deceased. According to the cultural traditions of the Jews, it was believed that the soul hovered near the body for three days, but after that time, there was no hope for resuscitation and decay would begin. Jesus looked her in the eye and said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It seems Jesus was attempting to get Martha to think beyond the natural, to think more in the spiritual, that maybe through the physical death of Lazarus and the miracle of Lazarus's restoration, the glory of God would be reflected in the death and resurrection that would soon be experienced by Jesus. It appears that through the resurrection of this miracle, Jesus was manifesting himself as the resurrection and the life. We see the power of God here being able to bring what was dead to life. And then, as I just mentioned, you know, Jesus had a, a lot of emotions. There was anger. There was sadness. I'm sure many of you have, are familiar with the Jesus wept verse Maybe some of you shared it as I did as a child when it came time for scripture shower. If you couldn't think of anything else to say, come on, you said Jesus wept. <laughs> and this was an example of Jesus's humanity. The fact that he was able to experience so many emotions like we do. And maybe... It was because there were so many factors that compounded Jesus' emo emotions, including the death of his very dear friend, that he expressed himself in this way. Maybe he was a bit anxious as he got closer to the series of events that would lead to his own death. Or maybe he was frustrated by what appeared to be the lack of trust that the family and the community had. Maybe 
He wanted everyone to just be grounded in and through their grief by opening up their eyes to the glory of God right in front of them. And maybe because they were all in so much pain, maybe Jesus related to that pain and was in pain right along with them. Our scripture goes on to say, then to the others, Jesus said, go ahead, take the stone away. They removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father. Now it's interesting because this is what we find to be Jesus's prayer. If we are praying, some of us would say father, mother, maybe some of us would just say mother. Maybe some of us would just pray and say, God, maybe some of us would say, hey, friend, and offer the prayer. And Jesus went on to say, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. I mentioned that my sister had chronic health challenges. And on April 4th, 2021, the Lord called her home. And while she did not experience the type of resurrection that Lazarus experienced, she was resurrected every time she spoke up about the inequities and injustices within her school district. And she was child-free. And she would go to these board meetings and speak up and get on everyone's nerves. And she would go to town council meetings and speak up. And I believe these things gave her life. I believe that she was resurrected every time she dragged her little sisters along to the Eastern Parkway on Labor Day to march and to enjoy the West Indian Day Parade. I believe she was resurrected when she attended the inauguration of the United States' first black president. I believe she was resurrected when she stood there and received honor and accolades from the Nyack branch of the NAACP. And what a blessing it was for me as her sister to be able to witness this great recognition. She also, Virginia, had the opportunity to record her life story. So I get to become resurrected when I hear her share her story, which is archived at the Nyack Public Library. And her obituary has shared all of the many inroads and achievements that she was able to make during her life. So as she gave life to others, her life and all of the experiences give me life. When we think about Pierre and all of the things that he did for his family and all of the things that he did for this church, we can be blessed with that life, understanding that he left a legacy. And as it, we think about the volunteers that we need, maybe you can step into that place that he was in. I know some of you have lost your mothers. Some of you have lost your dads. 
And maybe as you reflect upon their memories and all of the many ways that they impacted your life, maybe these types of things can give you life and you can experience a type of resurrection as you think about how you can live out their rich legacy. I believe that we can experience power and freedom even in our grief, even in our season of loss and wilderness, when we focus on the glory of God. When we do that, we can stay grounded in and through our grief. And the people of God said, amen, amen. So now I would love to give you an opportunity to think about some of the ways you stay grounded during times of grief. I would encourage you to think about it and reflect on it. And I'm going to pray, and after I pray, Aaron is going to uh, play a beautiful piece composed by a Ukrainian composer, Mykolo Lysenko. The English translation is Moment of Despair. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. We thank you for each and every person who is here. We know that so many of us have experienced so many types of loss, and we know that during our time of mourning and grieving, you are with us, and you continue to strengthen us. Help us continue to focus on you. Help us continue to know that we can experience your resurrection power, and help us to remember that you are with us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.